Hi everyone, and welcome to the second episode of the new Nova LGBTQI Plus Club podcast called Color Coded. I'm Emery, your host for today, and I'm here with two very special guests, Erosh and Diana. Guys, say hi. Hi there. Hi there. <laughs> today we're making an episode um, to honor Trans Day of Remembrance, uh, which is um, from the words of Gwendolyn Ann Smith, who was the person who uh, decided to create this day. It, Trans Day of Remembrance seeks to highlight the losses we faced due to anti-trans bigotry and violence. I am no stranger to the need to fight for our rights and the right to simply exist is first and foremost. With so many seeking to erase transgender people, sometimes in the most brutal ways possible, it is vitally important that those we lost are remembered and that we continue to fight for justice. So again, these are the words from Gwendolyn Ann Smith, who created Trans Day of Remembrance because uh, she lost a dear friend of hers um, who was brutally, violently killed um, and who is also a transgender woman, Rita Hester. So we're here today to uh, create a podcast to talk about our narrative as, as trans people. Um, but I do want to start this podcast off by saying that we're not here today to um, harp on the violence and the um, pain of our experiences. Uh, for us, Trans Day of Remembrance is an opportunity to celebrate what we have overcome, to celebrate who we are and to celebrate what it is to be trans and to be surviving and to be alive, especially given the violent nature of the history of our community and the violence that we've received. Um, so that's enough for me. I'd love for my guests to talk a little bit about themselves, um, their identities, and why they're here today to speak about themselves. Hi there. Um, my name is Diana. I'm 25 years old. Uh, I'm a trans woman, and I go by she, her pronouns. Um, so I came from Algarve originally. A little backstory about me, guys. Um, and I've decided to move to Lisbon a couple of years ago, three or four more or less, uh, because Lisbon uh, is a place which has much more resources for trans people to like start transitioning, get their support. It, it's also a bigger city in comparison to where I come from. So it makes it much easier to also create a bigger network to connect with new people and not feel so isolated. Hello, I'm Eros. Uh, I'm 26 years old. I also came from Algarve, uh, but I am Brazilian. I live in Portugal for 17 years. Um, uh, I, when I first came to Lisbon, I didn't uh, came with the, I didn't come with the pro purpose to start transitioning. I just uh, figured out uh, myself later, uh, two, two, three years later. Um, and it is, it is, I think it, it happened, um, mostly because I felt comfortable and I felt like I was more independent, uh, from my parents. I, I was paying my own bills. I was, I had my own job. I, I had my own place, like shared, <laughs> like a room, <laughs> the, the expensive rooms of Lisbon, <laughs> but yeah. That's, uh, that was a, a beginning, like I could start looking more at myself and that's when I found out a lot of stuff <laughs> that was hidden. 
I love that. I think that this sort of idea of independence and coming into our own and the idea of self-discovery is really pertinent to many trans experiences across different spaces. For me, my journey started in the US and I think something that was so uh, pertinent for me or what I realized in, in my decision to transition was it was so important to see other trans people that were successful, you know, and I think that word success is complex and it comes out in many different ways. But personally, I started to realize that I could transition and I could be trans when I started to see other people in the world living their lives and just doing the damn thing. I think growing up, I, I my only sort of um, awareness or whatever of, of transness was through the media, like mainstream media, which often is quite violent towards trans people and a very uncomplex way of sort of representing what our lives are like. And then I met trans people who were like my teachers or who were just like what I would call quote unquote average individuals. And I'm like, holy crap, maybe I can actually do that because that's that's something in my wheelhouse. Did you guys have that experience too? What was it like? What kind of role models or, or models of transness did you see growing up and how did that influence your transition? So quite honestly, uh, when I was younger, before I figured it all out, um, I'm still figuring it out though. <laughs> I never had like a big role models in regards to like trans women. I usually would just see myself uh, represented in porn culture, which is quite limiting, quite honestly. It's, um, we can all imagine uh, the misogyny that goes there, the transphobia that goes there. Absolutely. However, um, as I grew up and the trans issue got, um, the trans theme got bigger and bigger, I started seeing myself in movies. When I started seeing the movies and I started seeing like, listen, I actually have trans people who appear on TV shows and they're just not doing like the thing that we all know about. And that helped me quite a bit. I started also using YouTube quite a lot, starting seeing like people on on YouTube saying, listen, I, I was able to take the hormones I two years down the road and like, I feel amazing now. Like I'm a teacher, I'm, I'm just your average car cleaner and I'm really, I'm really freaking happy because like, look at me, I, I can do this. YouTube was actually like the biggest help here because in the, uh, individuals were taking their time to record themselves just saying hey just I can do this I'm just living a normal life does it have its issues yes but I mean that goes for everyone quite honestly and um, yeah but this is basically to sum up I think that it started out with a really bad representation because I had nowhere else to go but then YouTube the media started showing up people started showing up a little bit more and that was like heaven to me quite honestly thank you so much <laughs> It's pretty much um, the same. Uh, at first, I've never seen a trans man before, and then I, I just came to Lisbon and I, I met trans people with normal lives, being themselves, you know. Uh, and I was never able to see that uh, in, in the other city I used to live. Uh, I was never able to see that that much in television shows uh, like I am Brazilian and in Brazil you have a lot of violence uh, against trans people, a lot of transphobia. I, I mean, you have it everywhere, but um, I always had a bad image of being a trans person and I was afraid of it and so I denied it. 
until I until I could see somebody uh, who's a trans person that is like living a normal life and they don't have like to to suffer or never get a job or never get to um, be successful and make their dreams come true you know uh, it is possible I see now I'm starting to see trans people everywhere uh, we are we are appearing we we must appear uh, we must do what we what we have to do what we dream we have dreams we are not just uh, people who live uh, like I'm not just a trans man. I'm a person, you know. Yes. I'm a person in the first place, and I have dreams. I have goals in life. I, I wanna buy a, a caravan and <laughs> travel across the world. You know. I think what we need is really to normalize our existence. I think that's so beautifully said, Eros, and I really appreciate you bringing that up. I mean, I think one of the things when you say that, what it makes me think of is like, even in the positive realm of when people view transition, I'll just take my own experience as an example. Like, um, you know, I have a good relationship with my mom. It was, it was obviously a relationship that evolved through my transition and it had its ups and downs. But one of the things she, she would say to me is, um, you're so brave. You're so brave for taking up this space. You're so brave for doing this. And I think it's a really interesting dichotomy because when you say I'm brave, it's, it's why, why do I need to take up that space of bravery? Why are you seeing it as a brave act? Is it because of the violence that we've incurred as a community in the past? Definitely. But I think what's dangerous about saying that we're brave is that you're still dehumanizing us, right? You're making us seem like bigger than human. And that's still a force of dehumanization. And dehumanization has been at the root of the violence that's been caused against us. So I love what you're talking about. In terms of having a normal life, a normal existence, we just want to be perceived in a sort of normal way as, as a way to be human. And so I talked about my relationship with my mom and, 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 you know, one of the things that I really treasure about transition, one of the things I was gifted, I feel like, was a more authentic connection with the people around me. Don't get me wrong. I think that, um, you know, there was definitely people lost when, in, in, when I decided to transition and went through with it. But I've noticed overall that the connections that I've made with the people around me have felt more um, genuine. And I think that's just because, you know, I'm operating in the world in a more genuine way. Have you guys noticed that as well? Or what's been your experience with your relationships through transition? Personally speaking, uh, in regards to my relationships, so family-wise, it was a complete mess because I lost connection with all of my family, except my mother, which is still a work in progress. She's taking her time. I'm taking my time. But... Anyways, in regards to my other relationships, so friendships, uh, love interests, whatever else, um, everything feels indeed more authentic because I feel better uh, with myself. I feel more in tune with my body, with my needs, with my, with my everything. I feel more present and that really shows that and the connections that I create, I can be myself more easily. I feel more... I feel freer, I feel much better. And that's really something that's that really helps out in creating connections, honest connections. Everything just flows 
better. It just feels like correct in a way. That's that's more or less how I experienced relationships. Yes, uh, I think my relationship uh, with my friends uh, got better. Um, of course, uh, it is like it was like sort of a filter. Um, it made me look at the relationships I was having at the time and as long as as far as I'm being myself uh, people who love me uh, will be right next to me uh, even if I'm whatever it doesn't mean if I'm a trans person whatever I am those people were there to support me uh, and help me go through hard times I had with my parents, uh, with my family. For me, it was uh, the hardest thing to do, to come out, uh, because my, my family is very religious, very conservative family. But I, I told them the truth. Uh, look, this is who I am. I cannot pretend anymore. Uh, I'm not here to fulfill your expectations, uh, so... I'm your child, <laughs> do whatever you want with it, <laughs> but I'm going to be myself. I, I, I can no longer stand uh, trying to fit in uh, in those standards that you set to me. Um, and at first I, I thought it would be so much worse, like the, the experience of telling my family and everything, but then... Uh, Things take time, of course. My family, they they love me and they want to to be right there to me, uh, even though they don't agree with my path, uh, with uh, the way I am. Uh, but still, they don't want to they don't want to uh, be distance. Uh, they don't want to be away from my life. So. My mother always <laughs> talked to me, tried to talk to me. Uh, I gave her some time to process. We are like giving uh, a little time to, so she can feel more comfortable, I can feel more comfortable. And even like with, with the other family uh, I have, in, like in Brazil, uh, I found out that it was a lot of people supporting me, uh, like people that I I never imagined they they would accept uh, they would understand or it's not like they understand but you know they respect that uh, and now I have a different vision I was so scared I I was scared in a point that I uh, I started to think oh, okay I'm I wanted to visit my family in Brazil but now I f I don't know if I'll be comfortable to go back there but then time has passed and i found out that people still care and yes i feel more comfortable about it now like i think when you feel comfortable with yourself uh it's contagious uh people can uh can see it can um they also will it will make it will be like, uh, it's normalizing, you know, it's people, okay, he's not an alien, <laughs> he's a trans man, not an alien, he's a person, you know, <laughs> and that's not a big deal at all.
I really appreciate you putting it into words like that. I think that's so true. You know, one of the things that I think I had this preconceived notion before transitioning and when when sort of negotiating my trans identity that this was going to be a really isolating life path, that I would feel so alone, that I would feel invisible in the world. And I think what's so interesting about what you're saying as well, it's like once you take the plunge and you do what you got to do, you actually realize that your world opens up in ways that you didn't even know possible, right? And the people that you think you were going to leave behind actually turn out to surprise you a lot of the time. And obviously that's not everyone, you know? And, and I think we can all tell a story or two about um, heartache and, and loss that we've all experienced. But I think that's really interesting when, when people talk about this idea of chosen family, right? And I understand the concept. It's like you're choosing who it is that you're going to have in your corner but for me it was like hardly chosen to be honest it was the people who showed up for me that became my family it, it was not a chosen thing it was like people who were there and I think that's a really really awesome um, ability or like privilege to have as a trans person uh, one of the things that I'm really interested in hearing both of your perspectives about it's it's a an experience that I sort of was surprised about in my own transition but it was um, the realities of gendered experience. And one of the things that I kind of realized through transition is that, um, you know, being perceived as female and being perceived as male is two very different scenarios and two very different experiences. And from my perspective, moving from a space of female to male, I noticed that I moved into a place of privilege, that I moved into a place of feeling like, um, my voice was heard, that I was uh, taken seriously more often, um, that I could feel safe in spaces that I'd never felt safe before, to be honest. Um, and I would, I would love to hear both of your perspectives on that experience, if it was just me or if that's a universal thing. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> it's quite the opposite for me because um, before I was perceived as a boy and um, Let's just say that I never really had it easy in a way because uh, as a boy I was also perceived as very feminine. So in a way I had some privilege but at the same time it was a wibbly wobbly thing. Um, there was uh, some discrimination but for example I'll use like a silly example but it makes a lot of sense if you think about it. For example when I was younger perceived as a boy I could walk down the streets at night headphones on, I could turn on the music, just be there, 3 a.m., wanted to go out, perfect, I'll just go. Now that I'm perceived as female, that's a completely different story. Uh, going out at night is not so fun anymore, I'll tell you that. Uh, the way that I am perceived, I went down from a, from a place where I was, in a way, respected, listened to, because that's one of the biggest differences I've also noticed, because whatever they perceived me as they saw me as a man in a way and i could speak without being interrupted i could be perceived as intelligent in a way um now that i've transitioned for example a workplace the, uh, i cannot finish a sentence sometimes because i'm always interrupted they keep on talking over i had moments where i had to literally ask can you please just let me finish what i'm saying and also we all know this term, mansplaining, not fun. It's it's a really um, it's a really complex experience to sum up in words. But indeed, like going from a place of privilege, let's say it, down to a place where I'm perceived as inferior or or less than, 
it was quite shocking, honestly, when I started uh, the transition, when I started being perceived as female, let's put it that way, it was quite shocking. I didn't know how to deal with it uh, initially, being like um, harassed in the streets as in, I just went out and had guys kept calling me, never experienced that before. I took some time to adjust to that and to learn how to, to deal with that. It's basically from night to day. Uh, but do I feel good about myself and am I much more able to defend myself and put myself out there? Definitely. So they ain't messing with me. <laughs> Amen. Amen. My experience uh, is um, alike em Emery's uh, because yes, before when I was seen as a, as a girl, um, I went through all the harassment, all the all the interruption, all all the experiences uh, women go through. Um, and since I started, um, things changed. Uh, even going out at night changed for me. I feel more comfortable. I feel safer. I can walk. Uh, on the streets and I won't have any guy like harassing me or saying <laughs> the same stuff like you know uh, flirting with me all the time and seeing me as an object that stopped right there uh, and I feel so bad that uh, the world is so mean like uh, to women I'm, I'm very sad about it uh, it's something that concerns me is and something like I'm real feminist, very feminist. And I don't want to, um, uh, as a man, uh, knowing how it was to be a, a woman, I feel like as trans men, we, we cannot stop fighting for, for women's rights. You don't need to be a woman to fight for a woman. You don't need to be a trans person to support trans. Uh, you don't need to be LGBT uh, cube to support them, you know? I think that's for real. <laughs> I think you bring up such an important point there about allyship and the, and the position of, and the empower of a community that's filled with diversity inside. You know, one of the things that I think transition offered me in terms of creating a more complex understanding of the world in my own mind was this idea of um, time was kind of skewed for me in a little bit. And it, it was messed in in a way that sort of liberated me. And I'm interested to hear both of your thoughts on this. But, you know, for example, we go through puberty in our 20s, right? Like if you end up going through a hormonal replacement therapy, HRT, which is um, considered a medical transition in our community, uh, you end up going through basically a second puberty um, at whatever age you decide to do that. And so for me, that was in my early 20s. And it's um, both a really beautiful experience of reclaiming childhood and, and, and boyhood in my experience, but it was also... Um, it humbles you a little bit because you you well at least I had these aspirations for myself in my sort of uh, previous life in my female life I had these ideas of what I wanted to achieve at a certain point um, a lot of that dictated by my biological clock right like I wanted to get to a point where I would be married and then have kids and have this successful career and be this badass woman 
Um, and that is all blown up through transition. And, and, and when that sort of happened, for me at least, it became a really uh, a time of insecurity because I was like, wow, I've really had these ideologies for myself, which now are no longer possible. Um, but at the same time, it allowed me to realize that life is really what you make it. And, and time is not a dictator of success. It's not a dictator of um, anything really, unless you, you allow it to be. Uh, and I found that to be so liberating. Um, and I would really love to hear both of your experiences about how has medically transitioning in the time that you've done it um, shaped the way you perceive the sort of like, the timeline of your life. What has that meant for you guys? First of all, just a little thing that I want to put out there. Uh, today, I think we have uh, only binary people. So non-binary people, we see you. Um, but in regards to um, my own experience with medical transitioning, well, first of all, it was crazy, quite honestly. It indeed made like a whole world of a difference. I, I went to, through my first puberty, which honestly, let's not talk about it. We'll just gloss over that. <laughs> and then I started also on my early 20s, the, the real puberty for me, started taking estrogen, the testosterone blockers. It was... At the beginning, it was quite honestly a really scary experience because my body was reacting to these new things. My body was feeling things differently. I was feeling lots of new emotions that I didn't know that I had before. It was it was crazy. Everything was just so... I felt really touchy, really also vulnerable because you're basically like... You're just throwing away everything that you had, everything that you thought you were, throw it in a trash can and just start again. You have to once again go through discovering your body, understanding your new processes, understanding how your body works now, because I also felt like a real difference in that. Even the way that I interacted with people, it touches a little bit on the previous topic, it completely renewed itself. Um, but although it was scary, because I'm not going to lie, it was, uh, at the same time, it was basically the most liberating experience I ever had because I took, I took over my life, I took control of my life, which is something that I felt I didn't have before because I just felt my body on my first puberty just going a place where I didn't want to go. It didn't make sense to me. But now as I, uh, but as I started to medically transition, uh, testosterone blockers, estrogen, I could finally take charge of my life and in my body in a way and it just felt like well damn I can do whatever I want now I'm I can be like that woman that I envision I can be that person that that strong woman that I've always thought that I was but I never really knew how to put it out and that's basically a, a big sum up of what medically transition has done to me it has it's like a rebirth of the per, uh, the personality of yourself, a rediscovering. It's, as I said, summing it up, it's scary, but I think one of the most beautiful things that you can do for yourself. It's, well, I'll quote someone who I don't remember the name, but it's a radical, uh, it's a radical self-acceptance, I think. And there's nothing quite like that, quite honestly. Uh, about my my puberty, my second one. Uh, I see the, the hormones, the, the treatment as uh, a second chance to, to have what I really wanted to have on the first one. 
and then it was like was not possible at that time because uh, first time uh, was kind of a mess for me because okay boobs are growing I th this is happening like I don't want that stop it stop it I was like not comfortable it was uh, a time of my life that i i didn't enjoy much like uh i it was really hard for me and now <laughs> in my early 20s <laughs> i'm being a teenager again i'm being okay but this is the the happy part of being a teenager i'm having the the experience of being a teenager as an adult uh, having to pay my bills <laughs> okay it's not exactly the same because uh, okay your body is going through changes and like female to male uh, I don't like to use this term because because uh, I don't believe that I ever was uh, a woman so I don't like to use the female to male much just for so you can understand the female to male uh, uh, medical changes um, at first when you start taking the hormones you look really young you look like younger much younger than you really are you really look like a, a teenager Absolutely. and your body really uh, starts to react to the hormones and then you get every day looking at the mirror <laughs> like oh uh, Oh, you see hair in my face. Okay, the beard is coming. Okay, this is so exciting, uh, and I feel so blessed that I that I had the opportunity to start because um, taking hormones is not what makes you a trans person. Uh, going through surgeries is not what makes you a trans person. Some people uh, might not uh, want to take any hormones. Some people might not want to have any surgery uh not top surgery not bottom surgery they that will not change the fact that they are trans people that if they identify as man as woman as non-binary uh they still are being trans is not a checklist like oh uh people ask you a lot of questions when you start a transition Let's talk about this. This is very important. So, Emery or Diana? Yeah, man. I, I mean, I appreciate you bringing that up. I think it was, uh, it's, I mean, I think you sum it up really nicely in terms of thinking about what, um, what does it really mean to be trans and, and who gets to define that? And to be honest, I think when I started transitioning and, and when I started to verbalize to people that I was transgender, a lot of the questions I received were about like, oh, okay, so when are you going to start your hormones? What surgeries do you want? A very much a uh, questioning down a very specific path, which made me believe that, okay, so these people only believe trans people exist like this if they medically transition, if they have all the surgeries, which basically equates to passing as cisgender, right? That's the only way you're perceived. And that's super problematic because honestly, our community is extremely diverse in the ways in which transness operates in different bodies, which makes sense, right? Every individual is an individual. So every trans individual is also gonna have an individual experience. 
Um, and there's a huge also political movement even that permeates within the trans community around trans medicalism, which is basically um, expressing that only people who medically transition are valid trans people. I don't think any, all three of us do not believe in that ideology at all. I'm happy for you guys to speak on your own, but I just think that that is a very gatekeeping way to see our community. And honestly, um, having access to hormone replacement therapy is a privilege in a lot of places. It is an expensive, oftentimes highly, takes a lot of resources to be able to do, and it is a lifelong commitment. So beyond just wanting to get the hormones, actually accessing them is an issue of like beyond gender and sexuality it's an issue of race class and you know socioeconomics so you know i think it's a brilliant question that you bring up and, and to sum up i think that um all trans people are valid whether when they self-identify as trans and it is no one's responsibility and it is no one's um prerogative to dictate or police that i think that's a really important topic to to talk about because this transmedicalism issue, this gatekeeping, this can be quite dangerous and quite... This can have a really bad effect on people who are trans, identified as trans. And let's say, for example, you might have medical issues that do not allow you to go with um, taking hormones. You might, for example, not have the money to go ahead with it. Does that make you less valid? Absolutely not. It's, there are many different... Uh, issues that go about taking hormones some people just don't feel like it some people just don't want to take him but they do identify as trans so why should someone tell them oh you're not trans because you don't take the hormones you don't do the procedures there's no like uh, guidelines to to be trans if you identify as trans you're trans great good for you just um it's very important not to 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 feed this idea of of, of gatekeeping because uh, that could also potentially um, be very harmful for people who are still exploring their identity because let's imagine someone could be thinking about their exploring their identity and just seeing things like oh you need to take hormones to to be a trans person etc that could take a huge toll on their on their um, on their minds and they might actually stop themselves from growing and also exploring even further their person their their identity it's 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 quite worrisome i i understand in a way because cis society has the expected ways of how transition should go and that also permeates to ourselves we internalize that it's it's something that i think it's very important to talk about to deconstruct and in regards to, to the questions, there needs to be more tact in regards to that because talking from personal experience, as soon as someone knows I'm trans, oh, so you want to get the bottom surgery, do you want to get the top surgery, do you want to get whatever, those are not questions that you would ask someone you meet on the street. Like I would not go to assist people, it's, I would not go to assist person and just ask them, oh, what do you have down there? How's it? Tell me how's it going? Like. Uh, this is not something that you do with someone on the street so why should I just why should you just go to to a trans person and ask him listen honey what's going down there you don't do that that's that's highly invasive we're people we have our boundaries we don't deserve to have those boundaries invaded or or trespassed in a way uh, so so I think that it's important that uh, we get more visibility and 
also uh, that we need to um, to be represented in schools in education so that people can also learn that I mean we're just the average Joe we're just doing our thing the only thing that's a bit different is that we're doing some things to improve ourselves and explore ourselves further but we don't we don't need to have like uh, all those parts of us exposed we don't need to tell people about our genitalia we don't need to tell people about what do we do what do we want to do that's no one's business we don't ask that to cis people so trans people should also not be invaded in that way yes i totally uh, agree with all that you guys said um and i think uh that we agreeing with again with diana because uh education is very important it's very important People like uh, to get in, in a job. Uh, that should they should talk about uh, a lot of stuff because uh, some people don't know how to deal with a trans person. Like they don't know how to. They look at us as we are strange or something so out of normal. Sometimes, uh, like people need to companies should know how to treat their their trans uh, employees uh, it's, it's important uh, companies should have um, should should from in the beginning of the, the the transition like when I wanted to I want to change my name uh, in my documents uh, but I I still didn't have the the opportunity to do that uh, because of many reasons right now here in Portugal if you are a national um, you can change your name uh, for free that's a right we I I really <laughs> appreciate and thank to to trans people that fought for it uh, we got it but some people I'm not I I was born in Brazil so I'm still only Brazilian I don't I'm not a citizen uh, an European citizen so it will take a little bit longer for me to change my name uh, but still uh, all my logins all my email in the company they did it all with my dad name when I told them from the beginning that I I'm a trans person I'm not I'm not going to be able to change my name so at least in my workplace I I need to feel comfortable. I mean, I will spend 40 hours uh, a week doing this job. Uh, okay, I understand that in the contract, okay, the, no, the name that is in the document, okay. But in some situations, you can, internal situations, you can easily manage having the real name, the person's real, and the uh, uh, real name of a, uh, trans person's real name is the name they feel comfortable with so that's another question people make a lot what is your real name like my real name is Eros oh but the other name no my this is my only name uh, and I think companies uh, even in schools universities uh, we should have space to talk about it uh, because there's right now nowadays I feel like people are starting to uh, noticing and 
there is a lot of information going on now because of the internet, trans people coming out, making YouTube channels, that helped me a lot. Uh, but still, not only on the internet, uh, but everywhere, it's important. <clears throat> absolutely, Arash, absolutely. You know, I think it's what, you, what you're highlighting here is like this idea of, um, again, bringing humanity to the trans experience. Like, um, it, it reminds me of pronouns as well, right? Like when, I think when trans people and, and, and trans in the, in the large sense of the community, when we asked for our pronouns to be respected, um, what we're really asking for is to be seen and to be humanized and to be um, allowed to exist in a space that historically we've not been able to. Um, and a lot of the comments that I've typically like heard around issues of pronouns or gender neutral bathrooms and things has been issues of like, why should we pander to a minority, right? Like that's the sort of the discourse that I see on the other end. And um, I'm interested to hear both of your thoughts on this, but, but, but you know, my position to that is um, A, it's we're not, no one is liberated until we are all liberated. And if we take that into consideration, what we're asking for here is we are fighting for your liberation alongside ours because it is not until we can all feel seen, heard and witnessed that we are all seen, heard and witnessed. And I think that's it sounds kind of like philosophical, but uh, I think in a real in a real world sense, it's um, it's about having the common courtesy and the common understanding that if you are not going to uplift the person next to you, then you are part of the oppression. And if you're willing to be part of the oppression, then that to me is regressive and bigotry and ignorant. Um, and I think we're beyond that at this point. Uh, but I'd, I'd love to hear both of your thoughts on that. Yes, sure. Uh, we, we must, we must fight for each other. I think we must, we are, we are on the same boat. Uh, and like non-binary, uh, trans men, trans women, gender fluid, uh, you know, every uh, way of being uh, should come together. Picking up on what Eros was saying, I do think that inside the community, sometimes we could be a bit more, uh, we could hold more each other's hands. I think sometimes we do fight the wrong battles in between like the little niches that exist. Um, so I do think that's, uh, I think it's very important that we have the gender neutral bathrooms, that we have our pronouns respected. This is something that needs to be talked about. This is something that needs to be exposed. Um, it's important that we talk about these topics. It's important that we put this out there. It's important that we all unite and stand for each other because if if we don't stand for someone we're letting them out we're just repeating the cycle we need to stand together we need i think it's basically basically sum it up, summing it up we need to hold each other's hands if we let, let someone out we're doing it wrong Uh, that's a really lovely way to wrap up this episode. I thank you both so much for coming and talking with me alongside me about issues of um, transition and being transgender. I know it takes a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, strength to, to stand together and to, to express our story. So I really appreciate you both. Um, 
the LGBTQI plus club will be hosting a gender inclusive workshop uh, around language, around um, thinking about what it means in terms of allyship. And we would love for the community to show up and to be a part of the conversation as we uh, move uh, the conversation towards the, the Nova community. Uh, it's been a real privilege to be on this podcast. I just want to thank uh, the LGBTQ plus club for having us on this podcast. And just a disclaimer, we are three transgender people, but all of binary experience, um, all medically transitioned. We do not represent the whole community. In fact, we represent a very small part. Um, and so please, um, you know, for other trans people out there, uh, we would love to hear your stories. If you want to share them with us through this platform or in other ways, uh, keep on, keep going and, um, you know, love and support. Thank you guys so much. Thank you guys so much. Uh, it was a pleasure to be here and to share a little bit of my experience and talk about those topics that I consider very, very important. And let's unite and, you know... Uh, <laughs> That's it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you for having us today. And remember, if you're still questioning it, if you're still a bit confused about where you want to go, don't worry, it'll be fine.